Welcome to We Are Teachers, where you will hear conversations around the realities of teaching in the world today. I am Hazel Pulley. I'm the CEO of Excelsior Multi Academy Trust in Birmingham. Well, I'm really enjoying our series of podcasts. And with me today for you, I have got Helen Hackett, who is the lead maths teacher right across our trust at Excelsior. It's interesting, actually, because that's not enough for Helen, as you're going to find out. She's an amazing teacher and she's now got a foot in many, many national groups and uh, is doing great things. So a wonderful, passionate teacher. I hope this comes across. And Helen, welcome today. And where did you get your passion from? Thank you very much. Hello, Hazel. Um, Well, where did my passion come from? Thinking back to a few years ago when I took over the role of being a maths leader and I remember you interviewing me at the time, strangely enough, and people don't believe me when I say this now, I never started teaching with a mad passion for mathematics, teaching mathematics at all. Um, I didn't straight away apply for the role of of maths leader. I didn't quite feel I had the skill set. Um, or I had the experience. um, And I really got kind of pushed into it because not many other people were going for it. And actually, when I speak to other maths leaders, I find a lot of them are in the same position. It wouldn't have been their first choice of of a subject to lead. But once I did have the role, I decided, you know, I need to I need to get the skills. I need to do some CPD. I need to meet other maths leaders. And I think the more CPD, the more study I did, the more reading I did, the more work I did, the more reflection, the passion grew and it came from there. And it probably did then connect with my own experiences. I didn't become a teacher straight from leaving school uh, and university. I actually had a, a different job and I had my three children and I went into teaching a little bit later. So I had a lot of experience with my own children. Two of them had a lot of difficulty learning maths. And I also had experience in industry and where I'd used maths in my career, but not a lot of memory of having learnt maths in school myself. If you asked me about how I learnt maths in school, my mind is completely blank. So there's something there that I realised wasn't quite right in my own school experiences of maths. Um, And I wanted to make that change for the children that are learning maths right now in school. Well, you you certainly have. But two things there for me really is is what has changed because the maths that I think we started talking about when during that interview when you were going for that leadership has quite dramatically changed now hasn't it the way we teach and the way that we're meant to uh, look at maths has moved so far why do you think that's happened and, and what's the difference now I think having adopted um, a teaching for mastery approach to mathematics has been the real driver of the way maths teaching and learning has changed over the last few years, not just within Excelsior Math, but schools around the country and beyond. I think one of the um, big drivers of that um, possibly has been the work with the NCTM and Debbie Morgan, how she's driven that approach through with primary teachers and the the maths hubs and the Teaching for Mastery programme. However, Teaching for Mastery has been around for a long time. Mastery in mathematics is not something that's new. It's not something that was invented by the NCTM. 
But I think raising the profile of mathematics, um, getting teachers and schools to really look at the way maths is being taught and to explore it and to think, okay, something isn't quite right when we look at adults and their understanding and their, their attitudes towards maths. So what's gone wrong? What do we need to change? And I think if, if I were to say the biggest thing, what I think now is the difference. A few years ago, the focus was on teaching children to do maths getting children to do maths, getting children to get correct answers to pass tests, to be able to, to pass tests and say, oh, they can do maths. Whereas now the focus, or myself personally anyway, is to create mathematicians. I want to create children that see themselves as mathematicians and have that love and that enjoyment and that passion for maths that they will take on through their lives rather than just being able to do a little bit of maths to be able to pass a test. Yes. So teaching to the test has always been a focus that we felt we've been uh, driven into from expectation from government. They want their standardised tests. They want to be able to level. They want to say how well schools are doing for parents. But I know that you've travelled and we're going to come on to that later. And I also went to um, Singapore and I was looking at maths teaching when I was out there. And they do really well in that classic of tests, PISA tests, don't they? Yet when I went into the classrooms, it was incredible. They were enabling children to explore maths and chat about it. And your point you're making but they were test driven because the schools were really keen to come top of the PISA list. And Singapore comes really high, doesn't it? So how have they got that balance right that they do do so well with the tests and it's always on their shoulders. It was when I spoke to the head teachers there. Yet the way they teach in the class is so open. How, how do you think they've got that right? Or is it right? I think there's a few things to think about there. I mean, yourself, you've you've visited Singapore. I've worked um, through our work with Maths No Problem and, and Banhar and the work we've done with Maths No Problem. I've worked with colleagues and found out about teaching in Singapore. I visited Shanghai as part of the teacher exchange. One of the things before I went to Shanghai, I obviously did a lot of reading and research around um, maths obviously looking at PISA and Tim's scores. Um, it's quite nice to see that recently England has been creeping up those, those test scores. Um, we have been improving with our maths. Um, but I was very much, um, I was very sceptical and thinking it would be very, very much test focused um, and that possibly their children wouldn't have the deep understanding. But I was amazed when I went there and I think there was a lot that was really surprising there was a lot that I think was quite transferable that we can transfer and, and we can develop in this country. There's also a lot of things, particularly about um, when, I, when you look to China and Chinese culture and Chinese society, that isn't transferable. And I think what's powerful, um, particularly when I went to China, was that it was an exchange. It wasn't look at Shanghai, they're doing it perfectly, we need to copy their approach. It was, let's go and see what they're doing. Let's look at it. Let's talk to them, colleagues, professionals together, because they wanted to learn from us as well. So there were some things that they wanted to learn from our approach. So um, 
my two colleagues that I worked with there, I'm still in touch with them now. They came and spent two weeks working in England um, at Parkfield. And they were really interested in how we approach problem solving, creativity, how we got children to, to work more collaboratively in mathematics. Um, so they learned from us um, and we learned from them. I always think that if you teach a child to pass a test and that is your sole focus, they probably, you know, they might, they might not pass the test. If you teach a child to have a deep, sustainable understanding of maths and an enjoyment of mathematics, they will have that for life. And the side effect is that they will pass the test as well. So I just think, you know, with your moral purpose in mind, if you solely focus on passing tests, you might get them to pass those tests. We work in primary. There's a lot of children that will do really well in their, their key stage two SATs. And we can feel really, really proud of that. But if we look ahead into those children's futures, do they actually do really well when it comes to GCSEs? Do they go on and take maths and STEM subjects when it comes to A-level? Do they go on and take careers in STEM? I think we have to look beyond what we're doing for them and, and feel proud and pat ourselves on the back that we've got, oh, year six children, I've got really great test scores. I want to think further than that. I want to think about those children's futures. And I think that's what we've learned and that's what we've been developing and looking into. I think that's really interesting because I see all the work in primary and I can see the benefit of this new approach, the problem solving, the creativity around maths, getting that understanding of maths. And I do agree with you. I think that's why Singapore do so well, because they managed to get that and it create and, and their aspirations as well got them to the PISA. But where do we go with secondary? And I feel that there needs to be a lot more work in secondary around around this uh, bridging on from what we're doing in primary. What, what do you think can be done there? Do you think that's on its way? Or do you think there's still a divide when a child leaves primary and hits secondary? I think there's still a huge gap there. I think it's very definitely um, on the way. I think what's really encouraging, if I kind of step back into Singapore scenario slightly, is the fact that Singapore weren't always at the top of the league tables internationally. They changed the way they teach maths and they rose up those tables quite quickly, actually. When you, when you look, it turned around in about five years. So I think that's really powerful to look, actually, what did they do to change it, to go from quite low down? If you look at other um, countries around Singapore, they're not so high up on the league tables. So when you're thinking, oh, it's the context, it's the culture, it's the society. Well, no, it isn't actually. It's actually down to the way they teach maths. What did they do to change? They looked to the theorists that we study when we're at school, when we're training to be teachers, they looked at the same theories, but actually, whereas in England, we study those theories when we're in university, we go into school and then we get overwhelmed by other pressures and we forget the theory and we forget the CPD. Singapore followed it through. So I think when we look now to we can change, how long does it take to change? Well, it doesn't happen in a year. It takes primary schools. When I think back to when I started the Teaching for Mastery programme, you know, if I just think back four or five years, we were in a hugely different position. When I did training with, with other schools and I worked with teachers and I looked at teacher subject knowledge, if I even just mentioned Teaching for Mastery, people didn't understand what we were talking about at all. Um, and there was a lot of resistance to change. 
And it's changed so dramatically with primary in just four or five years. It started to change for secondary. Um, I think you have to look. There's a very different model. That it, it's easier to change primary. Um, when you go to secondary, you've got huge schools. You've got huge staff. You've got teachers that teach maths and are trained to teach maths. You've also got a real shortage of maths teachers. So you've got a lot of secondary school children that have been taught maths by teachers that weren't trained to be maths teachers. Um, so there's a whole national issue with, with maths teachers and the training of maths teachers. Um, there's a whole shortage when it comes to teachers and, 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 and retaining teachers. So when you invest in CPD, are those teachers staying? Are they being retained? The NCTM started to make the changes and started to develop teaching for mastery with primary schools. Um, initially, I started working um, with year one um, and a lot of the focus was year one to year six, probably year one to year five, actually, because people were a little afraid to, to, to touch year six too much because they'd still got that, that fear of the SATs results. Um, and then it spread. Just recently, we're doing a lot more work with early year settings and looking at early years. And now there are teaching for mastery specialists working in secondary schools and there are teacher research groups in secondary schools. So ch changes are coming and there are a lot more. There's, there are work groups with the maths hubs where you've got year five and six teachers working with teachers from year seven and eight and looking at this transition and actually how do we make sure this is a smooth transition how do we learn when the curriculum changed um 2013 2014 it changed dramatically in primary in primary schools we started to teach some of the objectives that actually were in the secondary curriculum previously hmm. but our secondary colleagues weren't aware of that they didn't realize initially how much the curriculum had changed they weren't aware of how deep we went with the learning so a lot of the work we've been doing just recently is bringing primary and secondary colleagues together and working together. And I think that's where the maths hubs have been really, really powerful, because a few years ago, I wouldn't have known very many secondary colleagues. But now we are working together and we're also working with FE and we're working all the way through changing maths teaching and learning regardless. Obviously, it's, it's, a, it's easier to change it with younger children. When you're inheriting children that are 11 and older and they already have huge gaps in their learning, it's a little bit harder to make those changes. That's really interesting around the, the thought of bridging out to secondary schools. I've always liked that approach across other subjects as well, because there's such a gap isn't for children as they move on. You've mentioned about maths teaching in secondary. We've often nudged the idea and played around about having specific subject teachers in primary schools. And I saw it in Singapore, and I think you did when you were in Shanghai, that there were maths teachers. They just taught maths to the class and then they left that class and the other teachers might come in for English or the teach with more holistic approach. Do you think we should be moving to that, that we have pure maths teachers in primary school? Would it, is it not that easy? I think there are pros and cons for, for any approach. I think the, the benefits of having that approach is that you have a teacher that is expert in that field. 
they study mathematics in in China um, as well as in Singapore. Especially in China, they are encouraged to go on, and they're supposed to have a degree in mathematics. Go on and get a master's in mathematics, and continuously study and hone their skills in that subject. And that can be really, really powerful. The most powerful thing I know in my role at the moment, where I've stepped away from class teaching, is that when you can teach the same lesson several times to different groups of children. It's not the same lesson because every time you teach a lesson, you reflect. And even where I've had the experience of I've taught a lesson in one classroom, and straight away within ten minutes I go into another classroom and teach that lesson, it's still not exactly the same lesson because I've learnt from what I've I've experienced the first time, and I thought, oh gosh, actually no, I'm going to tweak this, I'm going to tweak that, I'm going to ask this question there. All the time I'm re- reflecting and responding to those experiences. So if you have teachers that are just math teachers, you will definitely build that skill. The drawback is that actually, how will you get that coming throughout the whole day? Mathematics is not something that children learn in one hour a day in a math lesson. It's something that actually comes through throughout the whole day. It's something that needs to be assessed throughout the whole day. Mathematics is a life skill. And I think too often adults don't see that. They need to be able to experience that throughout the day. You're not going to teach children how to tell the time in a maths lesson. They need to be learning that throughout the whole day. They need to be learning about their problem solving, about their collaboration skills, about their communication, how maths is used throughout the whole day. And if you only have a maths teacher, how are you going to ensure those they're using their maths skills in their science lesson, in their PE lessons, in their DT lessons? I think that could be an issue. I think the other issue, particularly when you're looking at young children, is that young children when they come to school, they don't just come for a teacher. They come for um, I'm not going to say a substitute parent, but they need that relationship. And I think young children to have a different adult working with them for different subjects can be extremely challenging, especially when we work with children that are coming from different backgrounds, maybe deprived backgrounds. Maybe they've travelled to the country for you know, maybe it's they're not you know at that school all the way through their careers, all the way through their school careers. They need somebody who knows them, who knows their whole package. You know, good morning, John. How are you today? Oh, how's the new baby at, at home? Oh, and, and how's your mum? Because I know she's been a bit poorly. And what's the new house like? And oh, do you know, I saw what you did last night on on you know the learning platform. I'm so proud of you. Um, and do you know what you did yesterday in your art lesson? Y- you were so resilient. I want to see that resilience coming through in your maths lesson today. I think it's the relationships the fostering those relationships and the passion in the children. And I think you can miss that when you only have a subject specialist. So I think what we've got is having that mixture of both. If you can have a maths leader or more than one maths leader in a school, a subject leader who has got that focus on the mathematics, who is going to really devote time and attention to developing their skill, and they are there to support the other teachers and to build the skills of the other teachers and to build the passion and go in and develop the training all the way through and host these open lessons. But then you've got the children being taught on a regular basis by their 
mom or their dad while they're in school by this you know their person they've got that relationship and that love for children do love their teachers um I think that mixture of both is what we need in primary as children get older and they go into secondary school and they go through I know some secondary schools still keep that approach in years seven and eight but I can see that when they get more towards you know GCSEs needing a subject specialist is probably going to be more the way to go but by that point you've got children that have developed and they know themselves and they've got their identity and they've got their strengths but at primary we're building that with the children aren't we we are indeed and do you know Helen you made you gave me goosebumps then when you were talking about relationships with the teacher because that was something I adored when I was class teaching and relationships with parents as well because to me it was the it was the whole bundle you couldn't just deal with just relationship with the child it grew and children at that age need to know that you'll have a relationship with the parent and I loved it and even now as CEO of Excelsior I make a random call every week to a parent and I just chat and find out how we're doing and uh, what what do you think of uh, what we're offering and what can we do more and I had a great conversation last week with a parent who said um, she thought things were fantastic she was enjoying the live lessons she said I don't miss any of them and we joked I said you 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 join in do you she said I do I've learned so much in maths and it goes back to that bit you were saying about they're having no understanding of maths. And she said, I now can understand um, mathematics for the first time and I can help my child. And I thought it's just amazing. And that's something you're really good at as well as your work with parents. What, what are you doing rec- at the moment during this pandemic for parents? I'm aware of some uh, material you've, you've created. Uh, can you explain to us what what you've been doing there? Yeah, I, I'm passionate for work with parents. I've been involved in a few research projects in the past um, about how to develop parents. The role of parents and teachers together is to inspire children, to engage children, to, to show children the power and the magic of mathematics, to open up their, their windows and show them they can achieve in mathematics. And parents and teachers need to do that together. If you've got a parent or a teacher who feels anxious about maths or the, oh, I can't do maths, or I was no good at maths at school, or I can't help you with your maths homework, you'd have to ask your dad or, or anything like that, that is going to give a real clear message to that child. And they're going to believe they can't do maths either. So I think if we can open up those minds, very often with parents, I find that they believe they can't do maths because they don't have a piece of paper. They haven't passed a certificate that says you've got, you know, this qualification or that qualification. But parents can do maths. You know, parents, you know, have come to me and said, I can't do maths, but they, they've they got six children that they manage to get up at the right time, get them dressed, get them fed, get them to school. They can drive a car. They can use a mobile phone. They can use a TV. They can use a computer. You know, they, they can sew. Fantastic math skills. Just because you don't have a certificate to say you've passed this qualification. So I think working with parents about getting them to change their own attitudes about what they can achieve getting them to realise. National Numeracy did a um, survey of adults. You know, over 30% of adults don't think that they use math skills in their everyday lives or in their workplace. One in three adults can't work out the correct change in a shop. You know, those things are really, really worrying. Um, What I've been doing 
you know, in, during lockdown, I think one of the most powerful things about lock, lockdown has got its its pros and its cons, hasn't it? It's hard not to do face-to-face conversations with parents. It's hard not to do the live workshops with parents. But by parents engaging with the home learning, it's enabled them to see how teachers are teaching maths at home. By doing little short videos I've been doing for, for the mat, just focusing on fact fluency, um, not focusing on how to teach a year six child to do long division. But actually, let's look at how we learn number bonds. Let's look at how we learn times tables and some little short videos of some nice, simple ideas of things that you can do at home things that you can engage, little games, little activities, because actually when you look around at home, when I look around my living room, maths is all around me. Multiplication is all around me. But sometimes we need to shine the light on that for children and for parents. So if we can get parents to shine a light on the mathematics and open up the children's worlds to get parents and children working together to to change children's identities, that they see themselves as a mathematician and they they can mathematise the world all around them. One of our maths leaders used that term with me yesterday when I was working with them. He said, I I want children to mathematise their worlds. And I said, gosh, that's that's a great term, isn't it? I want children to see themselves have that identity. I am a mathematician. I am a scientist. I am, you know, I can do this. I might struggle with this a little bit right now, but I've got lots of people, my parents, my my teachers that can help me and, and work with me. So I think, you know, anything that we can do with parents moving forwards, that's quite, you know, easy for them to access. It's not onerous. Um, and just to remove that fear about mathematics and get them to work with us um, can be really, really powerful and something we could take forwards from, you know, the last year that's been quite tricky for us all. I think so. I think there's a real gem of an idea uh, growing here, Helen. Could we not create something, um, maybe linking into the universities, because you've got such a hook in with our local universities, that could we not create a, a module or something exciting that would, um, I don't know, I'm thinking of a title here, uh, Mathematise Your Children, <laughs> um, but would enable parents to uh even get some accreditation in ways of supporting maths with their family, with their children, um, or maybe within their workplace, they could go out if they got a maths base. I think there's something here that we could grow. What do you think? I think definitely. I know in the past I've worked with a couple of different universities on on projects where we've worked with parents. And the data showed us looking at, you know, that the research that we did in a few months, children's attainment in mathematics went up when we just got the parents not to teach the maths to them at home but just to be engaged and interested in the maths and not afraid of the maths and and happy to you know talk to their children and ask their children questions and I think it's really really powerful if we can just get parents to 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 just do that much to share the maths that they do with their children and to show an interest in the maths that the children are doing. I think that when we're looking at moving forwards and recovering from the year that we've just all gone through, rather than racing through and panicking about catching up and and doing lots of extra lessons, can we just change attitudes and say, look, if, if we're all just enjoying this thing 
and we're seeing ourselves as learners for life, adults and children, to carry on learning and have an attitude that, yeah, I, I can do this, I can learn this, that's going to have a far greater impact than rushing to do extra lessons and, and covering extra content, but actually probably switching people off from the subject in the long run. Well, it's great because really you're just removing the fear, aren't you? I think that's that's what you want to do. And I think it's um, highly creditable. So as we come to an end now, Helen, um, I'm thinking here of a teacher, a young teacher who's um, wants to develop, very ambitious. How could you inspire them? What could you say to get them into leadership in maths? Because, as you said at the beginning, more people lean to the arts or um, English particularly. Um, how can we inspire more um, teachers to develop maths leadership? What's out there? I think it's really understanding what maths is all about. Very often adults and teachers think about maths as being about numbers. They think of it as numeracy, numbers and arithmetic, and they have a fear that because they weren't the quickest calculator at school, that that's not for them. I think about opening people's eyes to what mathematics is all about. Mathematics is all around everyday life. It's about patterns, relationships, communication. It's the building blocks for absolutely everything we do on every day of our lives. It's involved in everything from waking up in the morning to getting dressed, to making your breakfast, uh, to packing your bag, to driving your car, to using your mobile phone. Mathematics is absolutely everywhere. And what mathematics does, it, it enables us to communicate with each other, to, to find out about each other, to solve problems together. And actually, it gives us the power and the control to, to control our own lives and to change our own destinies. And when we look at the world, the bigger world, which again, I think has been a big focus the last year, we look at the problems such as national pandemics. We look at the complex technology that that you know, is in our world now and even more so in a few years' time. We look at climate change. We look at all the global issues and problems around us. We look at the way the internet is going and the, the proliferation of, of information that's out there. Is it a myth? Is it true? How do I sort it out? How do I know, you know, whether to get this vaccination or not? The answer to all of this is maths. Maths gives us the answers to all of this. It helps us to make informed choices about our lives and about the world around us. So if as a teacher, if you can be inspired about mathematics and about STEM subjects and you can inspire the pupils you work with, you will open up their world if you can show them what makes you passionate and excited and creative, then you're going to change them. You're not only just going to be able to teach them skills, you're going to change their own notion of themselves and see themselves as someone that can take control of their own lives. And that way, they'll have control of their own life. They will be able to get a job. They will have you know, financial security and they will have better health um, because all of those things are connected with mathematics. So I think, you know, if, I, if we can get young teachers to come through with those kinds of thoughts, I think that's what's going to be powerful. But what you need is leaders in schools that will support that and that will invest in the PD that's required to upskill our teachers because you don't get that from initial teacher training. Well, as a leader myself, you've hooked me now. That was amazing, <laughs> Helen. I think we bottle Helen, float you out there and we can spread you across the world because your, your love of maths, your passion as a teacher comes through so brilliantly. 
Thank you so much for sharing that with us today and uh, good luck in a mathematical future. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>